Welcome to WARP in Cincinnati, the Athletics Reds podcast. I am C. Trent Rosecrans of The Athletic, and uh, I'm sort of solo this week. Uh, sorry it was a day later than usual, but um, we're bringing you something pretty darn special. I'm really excited about um I don't know how many of you have been reading on The Athletic Joe Posnanski's fantastic Baseball 100 list uh, that counted down the top 100 players in baseball history, finishing with Willie Mays on Monday. Well, among those who were reading that list and enjoying it was Red's first baseman, Joey Votto. And uh, so Joey basically was interested in, in getting together and, as he put it, talking ball. So that's kind of what we did. It's uh, me, uh, least important, of course, Joey Votto, Joe Posnanski, and Michael Schur. Michael Schur is a host, uh, the podcast, which is, uh, this is kind of a joint um, production between the podcast and WARP in Cincinnati. Mike Schur is, well, one of TV's uh, most important, like just great creatives. He's a creator, producer, director, writer, actor. Um, he is responsible for The Good Place, which is one of my absolute favorite shows on television in the last 10 years. Um, Parks and Recreation, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, he was a writer and um, actor on The Office. He was Moe's. Uh, Dwight's brothers, her cousin. Cousin or brother? I don't remember off the top of my head, and I feel bad about that. But anywho, uh, just uh, you know, a powerhouse in Hollywood, and uh, I was kind of excited to uh, to speak to him. And uh, he did have to leave a little bit early. We had uh, some scheduling things, but he was on there a little bit. And um, really, I don't want to talk anymore because I really enjoyed this conversation. I kind of felt bad. I think both uh, Joe Posnanski and I were. Feeling bad about how much time we were taking of Joey's, but Joey was really enjoying talking ball, and uh, and well, here it is. All right, Mike. So we've got uh, a little bit of uh, podcast history here. Would you say? Would you say it's podcast history? I mean, in as much as the podcast does anything historic ever, <laughs> yes, I suppose this is history. We've been doing this for twenty five years. I mean, this is this is a moment. So. Um, on the podcast today, we have, well, first, I should introduce uh, Trent Rosencrans, who is the uh, Reds writer for The Athletic. Trent, welcome. Thanks. I'm first, really? I guess, like, I'm opening act. Go for it. That's right. Yeah, no, that's, I, I wasn't introducing you second. I mean, that would be, like, ridiculous. So, okay. Uh, and with Trent, uh, actually not with him, not not in the same place, uh, but with us, Joey Votto. Joey, Welcome. Joe, thanks for having me, Trent. Thanks for thanks for getting us started, man. Appreciate it's, it. This is well, so great. It's so great to have you on here. Uh, by the way, is it do your friends like do people that you know? And we consider ourselves now very close friends. Uh, do do they call you Joey or is it Joe or or, or what do you go with? I'm Joseph, and uh, my dad was Joe, and everyone calls me Joey. So, but I will say whenever I go out, if I make a reservation or anything along those lines, it's usually Joseph. Joseph. What about you? Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, I was Joey as a kid, 
And, yeah. uh, but I, but I'm not named after anybody. I mean, like nobody in my family has the same name. So, so at, at some point in high school, I was like, yeah, Joey, I'd given up on becoming a ball player. I had Joey as my ball player name, but once, <laughs> once, once baseball ended for me, I just figured let's go with Joe. So, uh, but that's, uh, but, but you're okay with it. You're okay with Joey. Joey is like, as your ball player name, you, you feel good with that. So, sir, you're saying that, uh, when you, when you found out that you had to become an adult, you chose Joe, but I'm, I still live a child's life is what you're saying. That is 100% exactly what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, good, I, gotta say, I gotta say, man, you know, like, you're you're like a uh, a very very good baseball player. You're one of the very best baseball players who has played baseball in the last 15 years. But I think if you were Joseph Votto, I don't know that. Ooh, good point. You know what I mean? Like I don't. I think if if every time you hit a home run or did something heroic on a baseball field, and the Sports Center anchors had to say Joseph Votto <laughs> with with the ninth inning. Home run. I don't think it. I don't think you get where you are right now. I think Joey Votto has like a kind of like um, sort of poetic or literary feeling to it as a name. And Joseph Votto sounds like an accountant. Or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton beat me uh, for the most valuable player in 2017. So did he experienced a name change. A, a more, uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's his uh, original name and. Yep. Uh, and, you know, Mike was what he went by earlier on. And uh, so I, I don't know if I necessarily agree to agree about that, you know, agree but, to that. So. The thing, though, he he was Mike Stanton and then he became Giancarlo Stanton. Like right. he, went, yeah. he, he went cooler with the name. Mike Stanton is is like your eighth grade math teacher. Giancarlo or, or a former like Reds that. reliever. <laughs> right, well, yeah. well, I, I think what we're saying is, OK, That's so right. That's one of the closest MVP balloting ever that year. You lost by two points, as you well know, I'm sure. Uh, and <laughs> Joseph Votto loses by like, you don't even get a first place vote if yeah. you're <laughs> I think, that's, I think that's fair to say. And as, as one of the first place voters, I agree. There you go, oh, right? Okay. All right. Right? And I'm going to go even further. I'm going to say the year you won, which is 2010. You ran away with it. You had 31 out of 32 first place votes. I have Pool for second. Uh, Cargo was third. I feel like if you're Joseph Votto, you're coming in. You're Martin Prado was ninth. I think you and Martin Prado switch places. I don't think you're beaten. I don't think Joseph Votto is winning the MVP in 2000. Well, Joseph Votto is a second place finisher type, and all I needed was everyone to vote in second place, and I would have won the most valuable player award. So I think I think Joseph would have been just fine for me in that instance. It might right. have. It might right. have. I will say this though: if he stick, if he had stuck with Mike Stanton, I don't care how many home runs he hits, you win the MVP. There's just. Oh. It's, Joey Votto crushes Mike Stanton every time. No, no, no. I'm not going to get into a name thing. I love his name, and I'm glad he changed it. And it's frankly, I, it was it was such a such a cool experience getting to compete with him. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Char I think Charlie Blackman finished third that year. It was a great year for yeah, last place finishing teams. <laughs> 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 it, was, it was a great year. And yes, Giancarlo Stanton, like all time name. Like, I mean, seriously, like on like yeah. the coolest names, like the coolest names in, in Negro Leagues baseball history is Cristobal Torriente. Like that name is so awesome. 
so I don't even know how good he was, but but we know just because the name was so cool. Giancarlo Stanton is like on that level, yeah. I think, as a name. Don't you think? You know, I got I have a funny story. Um, so when he was uh, younger, uh, you know, <clears throat> he was obviously a relatively, I think, big prospect. I don't know if he was like number one, like Chris Bryan or Jay Bruce or Ronald Acuna, but I, I, I think he was like a highly touted prospect. And he, we were playing Miami in Cincinnati and he gets to first base and, and I'm at first and I played well for a few years. I think I already had a most valuable player under my belt. You know, I, I, you know, there's something about the hierarchy of our sport where, you know, veterans have this, I guess, intimidation factor just out of experience and just out of achievement. And, and so he comes to first, he gets to first base on a walk and, you know, he's this big guy. And, uh, most rookies when they get to first base, and I say hello, especially as I've gotten older, they have a tendency to kind of like, you know, curb what they're going to say or curb their personality. And I go, man, you're a big dude. <laughs> and he, he, he looks at me and I go, I go, how? And he goes, shake weight, bro. Shake weight. <laughs> He's got two weeks into the major leagues. And right then and there, I knew he was a superstar. Right then and there, I knew he was you know, going to be a future star in this sport. And, uh, boy, has he really exceeded that. He's been fantastic. What a player. What a player. All right. we I know we're going to talk some Baseball 100, but but Mike, unfortunately, is going to have to go uh, to do, like, real work because this is this is uh, not real work. Uh, so, Mike, I know there has to be some stuff you want to get off your chest with Joey before you go. I think I've gotten it all off my chest with this Joseph Votto. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I'm making up famous. names is hard, right? <laughs> yeah, making up names famously the hardest thing to do. And I, I solve it in uh, writing for TV by just essentially starting to type letters and then, and then stopping and whatever I've typed is the, is the character's name, which has led to some ridiculous names. I will say this though, going through, I'm just looking at the, uh, that 2010 MVP vote. Um, that Joseph won. Um, and I, I, I want to nominate as one of the great all-time bizarro names for an MLB superstar, Vladimir Guerrero. Like, oh. how many people with the last name Guerrero have the Russian first name Vladimir? That is really <laughs> insane. I've never really thought about it until now. But Vladimir Guerrero is a bizarro world name and one of the greatest. Is he on the Baseball 100? I forget, Joe. Did he make uh, it? He did not. He just missed the baseball one. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, after I sign off here, um, Joseph can yell at you a little bit for <laughs> Vlad Guerrero off the baseball one. I I had not thought about the Russian Vladimir Guerrero name. It just it so rolls off the tongue uh, that that I just have never even thought about that way. But I do have to ask you, Mike, so before you go. Is that really true? Do you really just start typing letters and that's how you come up with character names? A hundred percent. Like it, it's because the problem in, in TV writers rooms, when you come up with a character, if it's just a waiter or a, a guy who's in for one scene or whatever, there's this weird thing that can happen, which is you, your brain freezes and you forget what people are named. <laughs> like you're like, what are names? Steve, is that a name? Like you, and it can suck up like an incredible amount of time. So I literally just start typing. I'll go like P L u-n-d-g-l-i-a and then that will be the person's name like it, it's the only way to just get it because you can waste 
hours and hours and hours trying to come up with dumb character names. And so I just, I just, I refuse to like waste that time. So I just, I just basically put boxing gloves on and hammer at the keyboard until, until there's the number of letters of a human name. And then I stop. So is Nope just you typing the names? Is Leslie Nope come from there, or is it more minor characters that you? No, have? that, that the, the major characters you have to actually spend some time on. And I said Leslie Nope as a joke because the point of that character was that she was really optimistic and <laughs> and positive thinking yeah. and stuff. And so I was like, we were just like we kept pitching dumb things, and I was like, what if her name were Leslie Nope? like K-N-O-P-E, and it was like, that kind of sounds good. That kind of rolls off. <laughs> so we ended up with that. Um, but, yeah, the, the those you actually have to care about, which stinks. Because the, the, somewhere in my computer there's a document of potential names for every major character in every show I've ever worked on, and they're pages and pages long. They're just endlessly wow. long. And, and you stare at them forever, and you eventually settle on one, and you immediately hate it. It's awful. Coming up with names is the worst. There you uh, go. Yeah. There you go. I All mean, right. this is not really the best thing to talk about when Joey Votto is joining the podcast. <laughs> no, it is. It's, it's, it's crucial. It's crucial to talk right, about. I'm, I'm taking my leave. Joey, nice to meet you. Um, Pleasure. Please, please yell at Joe for as long as you want about Stan Musial. <laughs> I can't wait to listen to it. Okay. Sounds great. Nice meeting you. Nice meeting you. Uh, well, Joey, uh, Joseph, um, you do have some complaints about the Baseball 100. I mean, that's sort of how this thing uh, began. Uh, you want to you want to get started? You can you can start any way you like. No, I, you know, after reading through Willie Mays today, I have no complaints. And uh, oh, wow. you know, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. I love talking baseball. I love talking the history of the, the game. Uh, I don't know if there's, I don't, I don't know. I I feel like this is. A different sport. I'm not going to say there isn't any other sport like baseball because every sport has their own personality. Sure. But baseball to me feels like it's the one sport where the individual stands out so much more than any team. And this is my very favorite part uh, about baseball. The, the, the individual stories. Uh, the individual achievements, what they meant to the communities, what they meant to their hometowns. And then, you know, just, just, I don't know. The, most baseball players, uh, especially, um, you know, reading through this hundred, every one of them has a, such an intriguing background. And, um, yeah, I, I went through, I didn't read all 100. I'm aware of all 100. I read through your top 10. I read Trout's, um, and initially my, my thought was, oh, I'm going to, nail this down. I'm going to come up with a, how dare he not put Trout in the top 10, you know, and then I've got some things to say about Bonds and Mays and Ruth, etc. But you disarmed me and I feel really, I feel really grateful. You're such a fantastic writer. I, I've been a fan of yours for, I've been a fan of yours. I mean, I, I'm in line. There's hundreds of thousands of people, I'm sure more that are in line being that want to say what I'm about to say, but she's such a great writer, so easy to read. And I feel like no matter the subject matter, I, 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 it's just really, really enjoyable. So this was no different. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm excited about talking about this and, and I view this less as a debate and we may have those moments, but I view this more as an opportunity to, uh, laud the greats and more importantly, what you, you, what you gave to me 
kind of a separate subject, but similar. You taught me about some players that I'd never known about before. Um, I didn't know that Oscar Charleston was possibly the greatest player of all time. You know, I didn't get to know Satchel Pages, and I'm naming Negro League players simply because I know most of Major League Baseball's history. But I didn't know how how wonderful of a personality Satchel Page was. And frankly, I could go down the list and name other players, white, black, uh, Latin American, Asian, uh, and I could keep going, obviously. But uh, I I don't, you know, I, I only know so much. And uh, your list was fantastic, so thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, Trent, you you and I have covered a lot of baseball through the years. and And, you know, this is so cool to hear – Joey talk about this and it's so cool for us to be able to, to, to talk about this baseball history. But would you not agree that, I mean, don't you wish as you cover baseball players that more baseball players really love the history of the game? Uh, well, I mean, that, that's, yeah, go ahead. I think a big part of that though is like you think about when you're a kid, there's certain certain ones of us who gravitated towards reading about baseball and certain ones who gravitated towards playing baseball. And, and, you know, as you had the opportunity to do that playing, it took away from your reading time. And some of us had more not playing time than others. <laughs> um, you know, so like my most valuable, and I think my, when I was a freshman, my most valuable uh, part was that I was really good at take, keeping score, something that has led to my, my future endeavors um, more than, you know, playing first base. So, so I did have more time to read. Um, but you know, I, I think it's something that's interesting is that just because you're good at something doesn't mean you're interested in it. Yeah. Um, and, and we all have our own natural talents and the ability to hit a baseball doesn't necessarily mean that you are interested in all those who had a preternatural ability to hit a baseball. That's a hundred percent right. It's a hundred percent right. But I mean, that's true in everything. I mean, there are, are sports writers. Like I love the history of sports writing. I think you do too. But but not every sports not every sports writer does. I think you know you could be a a great lawyer and you and and, and to be a great lawyer you have to understand obviously the the history and as far as you know precedents and cases. But you don't have to care about the great lawyers of the past. I mean, it's I understand that, but I just think. There are certain players, Joey would tell me if you agree with this. There are certain players who like love the game in a whole different way. I mean, they love the history of it. They love the feel of it. And that's not to say one is right or one is wrong. I, I know there are some great players who, you know, for them, it's like, this is what I do, but I don't, I don't love the rest of it. But I just think it's that there are players and I think it's really cool that do love the game like in total, you know? Yeah, um, you know LeBron James is a perfect example that he'll he'll tell you all the time he's a, he's a basketball historian, and it all depends on what what the objective is. Uh, I think some are genuinely intrigued in the nuances and in, in, in the players' experiences, um, what they overcame, how they impacted the game, just from a sheer curiosity standpoint. But some. And I think LeBron's an example, and I don't really want to speak for him, but some of them are curious about the history because they want to fit in into the history. Right. They want to fit right. into the history. Where do I fit in? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, and it could go down the list. So I'll speak from my experience. When I was so I I was fortunate to have a, a coach 
in um, in high school, and I, I this this coach allowed you know more or less was hands off. Uh, I got to use his indoor facility. I got to use his his field. I guess I felt really fortunate at the time to be able to have access to those, especially given how cold and how unavailable ba- baseball is up here relative to hockey. But I, um, I always, he always told stories, old stories about Williams and Rogers Hornsby and Ty Cobb and all of these Babe Ruth, of course, all of these great Willie Mays, great old players. And, um, that piqued my interest and I was mostly dedicated, like Trent said, to swinging a bat, throwing a ball and learning all the skills that once I started playing professional baseball, the one thing that goes hand in hand with being a professional baseball player uh, is some free time. You get a lot of downtime. Truly, if you're truly dedicated to your craft, all you do is two things. You rest and you, you play ball. Yeah. I mean, that's so when I was in the minor leagues, 18, 19, 20 years old, my routine was uh, spend all day playing baseball, go home and read a book about Joe DiMaggio, be inspired. How can I compete with him? Where do I fit in against Joe DiMaggio? You know, pl- spend all day playing baseball, read about Ted Williams. Spend all day playing baseball, go home and read about Rogers Hornsby or Ty Cobb or Babe Ruth or Willie Mays or Roberto Clemente. Or, and then beyond that, some of the all-time greats were within my within reaching distance. I got to watch Barry Bonds and Mer- Manny Ramirez. I got to watch T- Todd Helton. I was just at the very, very beginning of uh, baseball on the internet. So I paid for a Major League Baseball uh, subscription, and, and I could you couldn't get me to miss a Barry Bonds at bat, or you couldn't get me to miss a Manny Ramirez at bat. And so I, I got to – I was able to – First-hand experience or first-hand witness uh, baseball history contrasted to Hank Aaron or Frank Robinson or uh, you know any, any you could you know I got to watch Pedro Martinez be compared to you know uh, to Roger Clemens be compared to Walter Johnson and so forth. But um, knowing about these all-time greats for me was more about okay, where do I fit in? I think I'm going to be a great player. How, 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 what level do I need to get to? And, and what kind of bar did these all time grades set? And so, you know, it's, it's, um, that was my perspective. And, and then, you know, it's funny beyond that, they can, they can grab you. They can romance you. They can, uh, draw you in with their stories, you know, hearing about, uh, yeah, of course, Ted Williams. I've read too many books about him, but there's so many other, there's so many other, other athletes that you just, you know, Roberto Clemente, you found out about his history and what, the impact he made. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden you, you think you know him. And so it's, it's a, it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of at first it was, how can I be inspired by them? But then all of a sudden is, it's, how can I be a better man? How can I be a better person? And then just pure intrigue. Yeah. No, it's really, really cool. All right. So I want to get started and I want to save Ted Williams sort of for the end because, because I think that your connection with him, uh, in so many ways is, is so cool and different, but I want to, I want to get started, uh, with both of you. And here's, here's, so let me tell you something about when I was doing this project. One of the things that, that has always been difficult for me to try to, to try to do is that you're dealing with active players as well as, as, you know, players of the past. And I mean, obviously there's all sorts of issues in trying to, you know, 
across the years and figure out, you know, what's what. But specific, so let's talk What do you mean by – hold on. What do you mean by what's what? I'm curious about what you mean. Well, you know, obviously, you know, Babe Ruth played in a very different time where there were no – uh, there were no night games and he played with no African Americans and there was no real travel and it was all by train and, 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 you know, he used a 52 ounce bat. I mean, it just, it was just a very, very different time. And so, so trying to compare Babe Ruth with Frank Robinson, uh, with Henry Aaron, with Joe DiMaggio, you, you find, you know, there's, there's all sorts of, there are all sorts of challenges that come with that. And, and you're never going to solve them, you know, as a writer. Uh, all you can do is sort of come up with the best answer that you can come up with. But for me, the most specific of these is let's look at Mike Trout. I mm-hmm. think Mike Trout is playing baseball as well, if not better, than it has ever been played. Okay, So I think Mike Trout is – but Mike Trout is also in his, you know, eighth year, ninth year, whatever it is. And And, you know, he hasn't hit – you know, the decline phase, if he ever does, um, we're just seeing him at his peak. And so if you saw Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, right after the 1999 season, and that's when I was doing this, or if we were doing Albert Pujols uh, right after, you know, in his last year in St. Louis, um, there's a different feel to those guys because, you, you know, at this point you're like, they're – that guy's playing at a level that's that's above everybody else, uh, and you don't know how much longer he'll do it. But but you know if if he continues to play that, he has a chance to be the greatest player ever. And and then you know then each of them you know sadly you know Griffey got hurt and and dealt with all the the, the issues that he had in Cincinnati. Uh, we all know what's you know that Albert is is a different player in in Anaheim. So so for you guys, uh, you look at Mike Trout. What would you do with Mike Trout when it comes to ranking him? Trent, we'll start with you. You know, it's funny when I was going through some things and we knew we were talking about this. This is exactly the the, the question I had because you have Mike Trout at 27. Of the 26 players before him, 13 of them are guys who played before integration and whether those were Negro leaguers or, or major leaguers. And it's, it's just such a different game. I mean, and that is, that is probably the biggest change to me um, when you talk about uh, this game and, and when you segmented the population and didn't allow some of the greatest players ever like Oscar Charlton Charleston I mean do we know what Oscar Charleston versus Babe Ruth you know who not. would be better we, we right. can't and there's so many what ifs and that's I guess what makes this fun in one way but it's also kind of frustrating and then like that was my other thing I had yo know, you know, Ken Griffey Jr.'s 48 what is Ken Griffey Jr. post-1999 when they did the 100 greatest players um, at Fenway Park at, at the All-Star game, um, which 23-year-old me was wide-eyed and actually there. <laughs> was my sure. first big baseball experience. Um, you know, what do we think of him then? I mean, he was top 10, top 15. We were talking to him like we are Mike Trout right now. I still believe that Mike Trout, you put him at any time, I don't have any question. He is he's probably peak Mike Trout. I, I take over anybody. Um, and, and so I, I just don't know how you do it. And I think that's, that's why you can write this list and that's how you can come in like, Oh man, he's wrong until you kind of get to the end and you're like, well, of course he's wrong. Everybody's wrong. <laughs> Everybody's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Joseph. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks Joseph. Uh, so I, uh, <laughs> so I think going, going back to, you can put 
I think you can put trout anywhere. And, and I think most people would, would be happy with that. I, I don't think you can put them ahead of probably the first handful. Uh, but I think most people would, would get the, uh, insane peak. We don't have the rest of the, we don't have the rest of the story. We can fill in the blank sort of thing. But to, to your mention, uh, about Ken Griffey Jr. and putting him, you know, high up on any type of, type of all time list after his peak, he was still absolutely nowhere near as good as Mike Trout has been. So far in his career, I mean, I, looking looking at, I mean, we, we're comparing a player who probably averaged somewhere around seven WAR versus a player that averages close to ten WAR. I mean, and That's he's, crazy. it's it's I don't, and I'm I'm just I'm just I'm just uh, guessing here, but I just feel like uh, I don't think you compare compare the two. But I, you're not trying to compare the two. What I'm trying to say is this 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 start is just so special that. Very easily, if he if he decided to retire, uh, I think we have a conversation. Is he the greatest player of all time? Yeah, it's it's uh, now. I, I will say that I used uh, some devices when I was writing this piece because ah, I performance actually, enhancing devices. I see. PEDs. Yes, a little a little PEDs. They're they're a little PERs, the performance enhancing rankings. Um, because I actually uh, just just between us and the the four people to listen. Um, I actually have no, <laughs> I'm not staying for four people. Uh, Joe, I'm not staying for four people. There better be way more people than four, at least eight. <laughs> at least eight. At least. We're going at least. We, uh, you better, you better not count Mike, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Mike's not going to listen to this. By the way, he totally lied when he said he was going to listen to this. Um, with, uh, with, with, so with, uh, Mike Trout, I actually had him higher on my rankings um, than 27. I, I don't remember exactly where it was, but it was a little bit higher. But, of, of course, uh, when, one of the, the things that I used for this ranking was I tried to connect people to uh, a number. I know. I saw that. That was really, really charming. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, my trust, 27. That's his yeah. number. So uh, so I wanted to, to give him – I feel like he already has earned that. Like he's already earned the number – uh, which is, which is amazing. But, but, you know, from, from a Joe, ball player's Joe, can I say something? Didn't he, didn't he want to wear number two for Derek Jeter? Well, I think he did. That's right. Yeah. So you should have put him number two if you're really going to extend a courtesy to him. I mean, <laughs> tuck him like right Ted Williams and Stan Musial. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Bob, babe. Sorry, babe. <laughs> but, but babe could then have three. It would be perfect. Why three? There oh, were... That'd be perfect, Trent. Yeah, that's why you're yeah. here. <laughs> that was a consideration, putting Babe three. Uh, but putting Babe three would have meant putting Mantle seven and uh, and Williams nine and and Musial six. So I didn't want to quite uh, go to that extreme to 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 make it work in the top twenty. So I stopped the the uniforms and various numbers thing at twenty. I had. Uh, Frank Robinson and Mike Schmidt both wore 20. I had them tied at 20. Oh, I, I skipped 19. Sense. I missed that now. Yeah, yes. I skipped 19 for the 1919 uh, Black Sox and then and then went on from 18 down. So, um, but but I, Joe but for for Trout, I, I will. Can I throw in of one of the personal favorite quotes I've seen? Is was I, I remember this day. It was near the end of the season in uh, 2016. 
And it, the quote is, personally, until Trout came into the league, I thought every year that I would be in the conversation for best player in the game, and he effed that up for everybody. <laughs> Babe Ruth and Ted Williams included, included. He's ruining it for everyone. That guy says Mike Trout should be number one. Yeah, well, I don't, I, 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 I don't know if he should be number one, but he's certainly. I just don't think you. At some point, how much more evidence do you need? I mean, it's, you know, I just, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. What is it? Five straight years uh, has led the league in OPS plus, averaging close to ten WAR a season. I mean, he keeps keeps getting better too. He keeps. I mean, he may not be doing the stolen base you know, high batting average sort of thing. But then are we going to see a stretch where he walks 150 times and hits 45 home runs a year? You know, I mean, is that really so bad? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> guessing here, but I, I mean, he hit 45 home runs last year in 135, four games. At what point do teams start walking him at a, at a crazy amount? I mean, yeah. I suppose yeah. Ren, Rendon may make a bit of a difference with that, but 14 intentional walks last year. I, I just, I, it, it's almost, it almost doesn't make any sense to me, um, at some point. But, uh, you know, they were a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a, a last place team last year. So that, that can be, that can be a little bit challenging to, I think they're second last actually to. Well, sure. But as a, but as a, as a, as a player, as a terrific hitter yourself, as, as, as somebody who has won an MVP and is at the top of the game, you know, how do you look, like, and it, does a guy like Mike Trout, because I mean, there are a lot of great players in this game, right? I mean, there's Mookie Betts and there's, uh, you know, Christian Yelich and Rendon. I mean, I can go through Juan Soto. There are a million, uh, you know, there are dozens of, of truly, truly great players who will, you know, someday, you know, either be in the Hall of Fame or be in consideration for the Hall of Fame. Um, and yet he seems to be like better than any of them. Like, as a ball player, do you, do you find yourself amazed by this guy? Uh, so I, I, I try, I tried really hard not to. I think my, my, my pride gets in the way of that. I, I truly, yeah. The answer is yes, of course. Um, you know, we're both Nike athletes and, and, uh, I refuse to wear his, his shoes out of spite. You know, it's like if I was playing against Michael Jordan out of spite, I wouldn't have worn his shoes. Just a pure pride thing. Not spite. Spite's the incorrect word. Pride. It would be my right. sort of island I'm trying to live on. But, you know, um, awe, awe is, is a great word. I mean, he's, um, he's doing some things that, uh, you know, he, 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 they came into town last year and, um, um, you know, he looked, we played in Anaheim. He looked kind of okay. And then he came to Cincinnati and, and he just put on a show. You watch him enough and you get to see the very, very, Best hitter, you know, he's a center fielder that runs fantastic, runs the bases great, and clearly plays a, a good center field. But you get to see clearly the best hitter in baseball, and um, you know, he's he's he truly is awe inspiring. I, I I don't know what else to say. I got to uh, see him when he was really really young. They came into town, and this was the Albert Pujols, Josh Hamilton, Mike Trout, Anaheim Angels, and I just remember thinking, you know, they a lot of the attention was paid to Albert and Josh. And he hit this ground ball, I think, in the infield. And I remember him running past. And it was an infield single, and I thought to myself, oh, my God, I didn't know he could 
run this well. Holy cow. Like it sounded like a, it sounded like a locomotive. I mean, he was such a big man running so quickly. And then he came up to bat and hit a, just a really nice clean double to right center field. And it one hopped the wall and it really came off his bat hard. And I thought, huh. So this kid's supposed to be like the, the future of the game. And he's only gotten better since then. And I, I still think he's got a chance to continue to improve. I, I think we see kind of a, a, a version of Barry Bonds with him, to be honest with you. That's what it feels like. It feels like he just, he, he also is one of those players. I mean, I remember Pujols was like this too, where it's almost like every off season he chooses like uh, a thing to get better at. Yeah. Like I remember Pools like saying like, like I'm going to, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be a base stealer next year. And then he stole like 18 bases or something. And then he's like, I'm going to become the best first baseman defensively and you know, whatever. And he, and he did that. Do you, do you, by the way, do you do that? Do you like go into the off season, like going, I want to improve one part of my game significantly? Yeah, I, I've definitely done that before. And, and I think that's a sign of, of base. You know, I've heard it. numerous times in the past about changes to the game and can players adapt to them. And frankly, baseball is not about, you know, they say styles make fights. Um, And in baseball, the, 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 the great players can adapt to any sort of demand. And, and, and Mike has been, you know, I've definitely done it before. Uh, You know, I've, I had some years where, Defense was an issue, and there are times where I felt like I wanted to get on base more or I wanted to hit for more power. And so I attempted those things, and typically I succeeded. But um, I do think that, you know, the, the game is his canvas. And I think that the game is a lot of players' canvases. I mean, I, we're talking about Mike, and I know we'll stick to the subject, but there's there's a lot of players, probably somewhere in the 10, you know, I would say about 10, 10 players, maybe maybe five players, that can more or less pick and choose what they want to do. And I, I think that yeah. there's those are the superstars of our game. And no matter the change to the game, they're going to be able to do more or less whatever they want to do. And Mike's the very best of that. I think that they're prob- they're, he wouldn't tell anybody there's probably a year where maybe even last year, you know, he only played 134 games and got 600 plate appearances, but he hit 45 home runs. And I, I, I think if you asked him, he, you, may have, you may have gotten the answer that he probably was trying, you know, truthfully try to hit 50 or 60 home runs yeah that's it's it's crazy it's a fun thing to do by the way trying to do things <laughs> trying to do things yeah I, I i got a i have a funny story so i um zach kozar was a former teammate of mine and back in 14 15 16 i don't remember what year it was i said you know what i'm gonna try and hit 50 home runs this year and he said, Joe, I believe you can do it. If there's anybody I can believe that I believe can do it, it's you. And so I get up to bat. This was in Washington. And I think it was early in the year. And I hit a ball. I told him, I said, I'm going to try and hit 50. Next at bat, I, I hit a ball real good to left center field. And the outfielder runs up against the wall and snags it off the very top of the wall oh. for an out. And I go back in and I said, I don't think I'm going to hit 50 home runs this year. <laughs> <laughs> that's that is uh that is a really classic very all right here's what here's what we're gonna do uh i'm gonna run through the top 10 real quick and each of you guys can uh sort of make comments uh on on these guys because to me i i think i started at 14 with garrick i think no maybe 15 with josh gibson i said basically every player after that 
you could make an argument for them as number one. You could mm. make an argument for them as the best player in the game, and probably some people above 15. I mean, you could make the argument for Hornsby because of the way he hit. You can make the argument for, for you know, Mike Schmidt or Joe Morgan for for the for their all around game, but but basically I did it from fifteen. So certainly everybody in the top ten, I think uh, you could make that that argument. So here's where I'm going to start. We'll start with Satchel Page, um, Trent. You you've you've done a little Negro Leagues research. How much about Satchel uh, did you really know? You know, I knew most most of it. Is it all seems like I don't know, like. Is it is it fairy tale knowledge? Would that be fair? Um, you know, like the legendary stuff. Just know uh, it, yeah. It's you just, just you know, know you know, yeah. you know the um, all the sayings, all the colorfulness. But like when you get down to it, it's how good he really was. And again, this is all just—I mean, it's almost all anecdotal evidence. Of course, for for so many of these things. Um, but the anecdotal evidence is so like overwhelming. That even if he's not the best baseball player ever, he's got to be the most entertaining baseball player ever, right? Sure. Like, sure. If you had one definitive story you wanted to tell or hear, it might be Satchel Page, and I think it, it it would be, I mean, a huge challenge. But he is the most, probably the most interesting person in baseball history to me. Clemente is up there for me as well. Of course. Um, but just talking about like the hurdles, what he still achieved, and you think of him. How old was he when he when he came through and won Rookie of the Year? He's in his forties, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As far as we know, um, again, yeah. goes it's it's the legend. It's the legend of baseball, and that's what makes him so. I don't know, um, just intriguing, and and just one of those guys that. If if I could see somebody, that that's probably at the very highest of my level. If I could have the time machine, totally agree. Totally agree. Forty one. They're saying forty one. He probably was older than that. Uh, Joe, I wanted to ask you specifically something about Satchel Page because Page in his prime, and this would not be the major leagues. I mean, once he got to the majors, he was obviously much older. But in his prime. When he was, you know, so, you know, Joe DiMaggio called him the greatest he ever faced. And Ted Williams famously uh, talked about him in his Hall of Fame speech. And so you know how good he was. But he essentially threw nothing but a fastball in those days. It was all fastball and all I – mean, he threw it super hard, but he also had utterly pinpoint control, right? He could throw it – you know, he used to practice by, uh, by pitching over a, a, a stick of chewing gum. So – with that in mind, could as a hitter, if there was a hit a pitcher out there who could throw however hard he threw, but but certainly as hard as anybody of his day, and could put it wherever he wants, is that enough to get people out in today's game? Yeah, um, I think I think the answer is a pretty strong no. Um, okay, you know I I don't know I I think. The best example, okay, so I take that back. I take that back. So the answer is, the answer is Araldus Chapman. That's the answer to the question. Um, uh-huh. I, 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 I was fortunate enough to have a front row seat to the greatest fastball I've ever seen. And the fastball was almost exclusively what he threw. He had at times good command and at times uh 
terrifying command. Um, <laughs> but he also more or less, I, I mean, he, I think he started the trend of, of the extreme strikeout, especially from a reliever, at least in, in the most recent history. I, 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 I know that there's other examples, but just pure fastball. Sure. Um, yeah. you know, I, if I'm not mistaken, he, he was by and away, uh, by far the, the highest, um, strikeout rate per, per, uh, per, per nine innings, I think it was something like 17 at the time. And a lot of players have caught up to it since the change, but he was a good bit ahead of, of anybody in the history of the game, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, watching him, sorry, 17.7 strikeouts in 2014. Right, right, right. And, uh, I don't know if there was precedent. And so uh, watching him pitch, he was almost exclusively fastball. So the answer is, Yes. The answer is absolutely yes. You can be successful. Can you do that over six, seven, eight, nine innings? I mean, Satchel threw complete games like it was, right. you know, like he was having breakfast with coffee. You know, it was like, it was as automatic as, as anything. Same, similar to Walter Johnson. I mean, I'm not going to uh, change subjects here, but, uh, the same sort of story, always complete games, always, always throwing his fastball. But the answer is probably yes. If you've got a guy, the, the only issue I'll say is, there, I haven't seen a fastball quite like Araldus Chapman's fastball, even though there's been a huge uptick in the fastball in, in the league. Probably the only example in baseball, and I have a nationally biased, but probably the only example is Josh Hader out of the Milwaukee Brewers that gets so much swing and miss just purely off of his fastball. But Chapman was better. I don't think it, I don't think you can compare the two. And then you can, if you gave Chapman otherworldly, um, command, I, I think you can get away with it. I mean, I watched Bartolo Colon flip 86 up there over and over and over and somehow make it work with his exceptional command. <laughs> it's true. It's true. By the way, for both of you guys, cause I remember seeing it too when he first came up. Did you, when Chapman first showed up, and it was right around the same time as Strasburg. So like there were both of those guys were like these, these different kinds of phenoms. But I remember watching Chapman and going, how does he throw it so easy and have the ball come out so fast? That was the thing that blew my mind was how, how nonviolent that motion was. And yet the ball was like insane. And, and I just. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything even close to resembling that. Yeah, he's a he's a uh, he's a physical specimen. I mean, I, I I've only seen two athletes that stand out quite like him. It's Yasiel Puig and and Aldis Chapman in terms of just just purely being more physical than almost anybody. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the answer is Crazy. the answer is yes. I mean, I think Satchel could have probably pitched today at his prime. Um, there's no doubt about that, but I think that he would have been high and successful is what I'm saying. Sure. All right. Number nine on my list. And I know that, uh, Joseph, you have some thoughts on this. Number nine on my list is Stan Musial. Do you have some thoughts on Stan? I, I, I really didn't have much to say about him. I, I, I thought that Lou Gehrig was probably more worthy in the top 10, but I mean, Stan's an all time great. I, I've got nothing to say about Stan Musial being ninth overall. Okay, good. No, yeah. Good, good, good. Musial was, was, you know. He's unbelievable. Go ahead, I have a story coming out um, tomorrow or th- Tuesday, whatever. 
about uh, I think the headline, the my suggested headline was Stan Musial made my mom pancakes and other baseball stories, <laughs> oh, family wow. baseball stories. So my mom once, and basically I interviewed my mom and dad about their baseball stories, but my mom knew her, her next door neighbor, um, Stan Musial's daughter, owned a horse at their farm. And so she had stayed at his house one night when she was like 16 with her friend. And, um, and so like just how nice Stan Musial was and oh. she had no idea who he was. So nicest man, just impossible to be nicer than, than Stan Musial. Just uh, uh, Joseph, did you ever get to meet him? Did you ever get to meet Stan? I don't think so. I've got, I've, I've met quite a, I, I, I've met a few on the top 10 that we'll get to, but I've never met Stan Musial. Yeah. What a incredibly nice man. And all time leader in doubles and triples combined, which I always thought was like, that's a guy that like when he hit the ball, he got out of the box. I, I just respect the way, the way he played the game in so many ways. All right. Now, one of the things that I did, and, and this is clear throughout the hundred is I definitely, um, I definitely graded players in more recent eras better. I just, I think baseball has gotten better. I think the quality of the game has gotten better. Um, so I don't, this is not to, to knock Cobb at all. I mean, he, he did what he could do in his time and so could number seven. So, you know, number seven, I have Walter Johnson. I have him rated as the, the greatest pitcher ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, that's, that's a, for me, that's a, that's a tough argument because he's, you know, of the time that he played, it was a completely different game with a with a dead ball and and uh, you know no African Americans and no no black players at all playing in the game. It's just a very very different game. So uh, I thought Johnson's uh, dominance was so great that I put him um, I put him at uh, as the number one pitcher at number seven. But uh, but I mean, I think I, you certainly could have made the argument that Clemens yeah, uh, yeah. would have been, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I just think uh, that you can make the argument for, for Randy Johnson, yeah. you can make the argument for Pedro, you can make the argument for a lot of different Maddox. I mean, these are, these are guys who just faced a very, very different game, right, Trent? Yeah. I mean, you look at what, you know, Pedro's, what is it? 2001 season. That's just ungodly. 2099. 2000, yeah, 2099. I mean, they're just like unbelievable when you look at the, again, context is everything. Like Joe said the context of what the game was going through right then and then do what Pedro did just silly. And also in that ballpark in his home ballpark. I mean, it's just when you talk peak, peak Pedro, I, you know, it's tough to take anybody over peak Pedro. Yeah. Yeah. I would probably take peak Pedro over probably anybody. I mean, obviously this is over a whole career. Walter Johnson, by the way, poses exactly the same question as, as, as uh, as Satchel Page, right? I mean, he he came right. in with what at the time was was absolutely the oldest Chapman fastball. Now I don't know how fast it went. Uh, I do I do try to dive in a little bit in that in the piece, um, but I don't know how fast it went. But to it doesn't matter to the to the by comparison to everybody else, it was you know ten percent faster or whatever than any other pitch. And, and he had, you know, amazing control and all of that. And, you know, so that, that's why he dominated the game in a way that, uh, you know, but, but I thought it was really interesting what you said, Joe, that he, that it was, uh, he could do that again. If, 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 you know, taking, 
taken into context, if you take your oldest Chapman fastball and you take somebody throwing with that kind of command, that person could still be a pretty dominant pitcher today. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I think so. You know, just being in the top 10, like you said, is being in the conversation for best ever. And uh, Sam Usual, Satchel Page, Mickey Mantle, they're all right there. We've mentioned Mike Trout, but, you know, I'm looking at these – these all-time greats, and they're all in the same conversation with probably two or three of them standing out as the extra specials. It's it's so – that was one thing that I really uh, – I wouldn't say it annoyed me because it's – you know, I, I love that people read this and, uh, and are reading this and have really, really strong opinions. But, like, I would put, like uh, – like I had Ricky Henderson, I think at twenty four. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which obviously is perfect because that's his number. So I had him at twenty four, and people were like freaking out that I had him so low, and and I was like, twenty fourth best player of all time is pretty good. I mean, like like everybody in the top hundred is an amazing baseball player. I mean, if you're in the top two hundred, you're in the top. Yeah, if you're in the top 300, you're in the Hall of Fame. I mean, so, so, you know, I, I, I do think that sometimes people like, like lose their minds over very, very small, uh, differences because, because all of these players are amazing. And, and that was really important to me, by the way. You mentioned that about the, the Cobb piece. One thing that I did not want to do in any of the stories was spend a lot of time or any time, if I could, on the ranking because, mm-hmm. You start talking about the ranking and basically you have to start saying negative things yeah. about yeah. about players. I mean, there's no way to, you know, somebody yells at you why Tony Gwynn is number 95 and you have to start saying, well, you know, he didn't hit with power. You know, you just have to start saying things that are not relevant to me to the story yeah. of Tony Gwynn and the story of this ranking. So so that was, you know, really important to me that that each of these stories is – you know, in my best way, a celebration of the game and a celebration of these players. Yeah. All right. So uh, I'm going to go right. So we, we talked a little bit about Walter Johnson. Uh, number six is Ted Williams. And, you know, I, I got to tell you, one of the first things uh, that I ever heard about you, uh, Joe, was, was uh, uh, I believe it was Hal who had told me, that that he was at your locker maybe and he saw Ted Williams, you know, uh book on hitting in the locker and it was like completely um you know, it was dog eared and 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 whatever and and he started talking to you about Ted Williams and that was like a really, you know, just just you lit up and loved talking about it. This guy really matters to you, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like I said before, I, I, I got to know lots of different, uh, lots of different baseball players and, and lot, a lot of them stood out to me. I think he mattered to me most because he inspired hope. Uh, we were both, you know, not very muscular and probably middle of the road in terms of athleticism and, um, left-handed hitters, right-handed throwers. And so like we had some things in common, non-premium position types, not base stealers and efficiency is I think a part of my personality. Uh, If I'm going to try to do something well, I want to do it efficiently. And I think he screamed that. And, um, and so just from, 
you know, I felt like he was a kindred spirit in a way. I, I felt like he gave me hope to be myself and be my best self, but do it in a way that, uh, didn't really follow the demands imposed on me by others. I mean, I, I, when you're a minor league player, 18, uh, 20, everyone's telling you what to do, what to change, who to be. Uh, they're telling you that when you're in high school, they're telling you that in college, they're even telling you that nowadays, good Lord at the major league level. <laughs> and, um, Ultimately, um, uh, he, he gave me that, he gave me that, nope, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to be my best self. And this is how I'm going to, this is the type of player I'm going to emulate because this feeds into my style. And so I, I devour books on him. You know, I'm, I'm probably more, I don't want to say I'm introverted per se, but I like keeping to myself. I like taking care of the task and, and just kind of going home and doing that. And I'm probably not as, I guess the word would be bombastic or, or loud or uh, I'm probably not in that sort of, I'm not like that personality wise, but almost everything else related to work. I could, I felt like I could relate to him. Now, never have I even come close to performing at his level. But with that being said, you know, it's always fun, you know, never going to catch the rabbit, but it's fun chase, right? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I look, I, I mean, the things, the thing that struck me, that strikes me about Ted Williams, I mean, among the many, many things that was so great about him as a player was he was such a perfectionist, not, not, I mean, look, most great athletes are in their own ways, perfectionists, I think, but the way that he didn't swing at bad pitches and, and never let that be, uh, you know, changed and, and, and certainly got pressure through his career, people were saying, you know, your, you know, you, your job is to drive in runs. Your job is, you know, men on base. You've got to swing. You've got to. You're hurting the club, and and but he just played the game the way he knew exactly the, the like the. I mean, and and walked 140 times a year, whatever it was, and 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 you know was just a, was just extraordinary. And I, I mean, that's Trent. When you watch when you watch Joe play, that's you see that right. I, I, there's so many parallels and I know Joe would, would bristle at that, but I mean, there's just so much, it, it, it is amazing. And it's like, it is those people who say, no, this is what is going to be best for me. This is the way I can be best. And it's funny. I, I had a, a real good friend and we, we had a um, ongoing argument forever and he was just like, well, you know, it's just so arrogant that he thinks, talking about Joey Votto, that he, that he thinks he knows hitting and like all this. And this guy's a huge Red Sox fan and idolizes Ted Williams. And it's just like, you've always heard that. And I'm just like, wait, wait, you're talking about the guy who is the best at what he does. And you think it's arrogant that he thinks his way is right when he's the best at what he does. No, questioning that is arrogance. Um and, and it, there's just something like there's an ongoing thing and I don't want to get into this because I know Joe certainly doesn't want to get into it, but this misunderstanding about what is best and what is one person's best. And it's sometimes it's just knowing what you can do and what you can control and you make yourself the best version of you, not the best version of what somebody else wants to see. Now, Ted Williams is just, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I think we go into this all the time and there's this, there's always the fight about what's, who's overrated and underrated. And it's, it's just a totally silly thing. And you look at these numbers and they just don't make any sense. I have the baseball reference page for Ted Williams up. Sure. And, and, and him at 
38 in 1957, getting on base at a 526 clip. It's crazy. It's crazy. More than half the time he doesn't make it an out. He had a 12, 1257 OPS that year. At 30. Yeah, they were probably, they were platooning them, guys. They were platooning them. <laughs> he was facing thumb and righties and coming in in the fourth <laughs> inning and then ducking out from the seventh on. You know, guys? <laughs> His age 24, 25, 26 year seasons, he wasn't incredible. There. He didn't get to play incredible. those. Incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. That's he well, hit 33, I mean, 34. I mean, just. All these career totals are unbelievable to begin with, and you talk about 1943 to 1945 not playing, taking that chunk of a player's career away from them. Yeah, I, I, I mean, again, it's like it's like Joe said earlier. It's like you just look at everybody, you know, when he's going on Ty Cobb, you're like you look at everybody and go, oh yeah, they have they're number one. I mean, like, I, I it's it's funny because like, and, and and I don't say this to to blow smoke up here. Um, Joe, whoa, 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 whoa. Joe, not Joe. We. <laughs> Joe, pause. Like, oh. I always talk about the MVP ballot. And, like, I'm always – like, when I do that and I write down 10, and it's, like, that 8-9 down ballot voting, and that's nothing like the top 100 of all time, but in a season. Like, that down ballot voting, I spend as much time. Mm. It's so tough. And, like, sure. And it's, like, how do you differentiate between 8 and 9? Much less like the year, the year of, was that 2017 when, when John Carlos Stanton that we talked about, like one was an impossible, you know, to, to figure out that year. I mean, even 2010, you, oh, yeah. you could flip no a doubt. coin on NL MVP in 2010. No doubt, or very, very, very easily could have won that, uh, won that award that year. But you know um, what I like to look at with those kinds of decisions? And, and I did this a lot with the baseball 100. Um, I like to look at it that there's no wrong decision no. rather right. than no right decision. You know, I mean, it's like I remember it was the Verlander uh, Porcello Cy Young year. Yeah. Uh, I had a vote that year. And and I remember thinking because I because you could absolutely make an argument for either one of those guys. I mean, that was you know, that was one where one had the higher fan graphs war. The other one had the higher baseball reference war. You had the, you had, you know, the one had the better FIP and one had the better, you know, strikeout to walk. And I mean, it was just like, it was ridiculous. It was, a, it was a tie. It was, it was, they right. both were incredible that year. And, and I, I did kind of go inside out because it's like, well, which, and then I thought, you know what? It, it's, you take the one and I'll take the other. It doesn't mm. matter. I mean, it matters. You do your best you can, but neither one of them is wrong. And right. and that's sort of the way I looked at like this top six. I mean, I, it definitely takes a different level for me when you when you start going from Ted Williams up. I mean, Ted Williams could have been six. He could have been three. You could argue. I think he's the greatest hitter ever. So you could put him at one if you wanted to. My thought was, you know, he 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 was he was uninterested in defense for the most part in his career. Uh, he was he was not a particularly he wasn't a bad base runner, but it was certainly not the 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 strength of his game. Um, he was a, he was an incredible hitter, uh, and an incredible slugger and calling him the sixth best player of all time is not a bad thing. That's sort of how I looked at it. And you're right. Well, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain Justin Verlander's at home right now slamming, you know, doors (laughs) and punching pillows because of your vote. So 
Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't say who I voted for. I didn't like Klaus. You know, <laughs> there's nothing like there's nothing like coming in second, especially when they're really really close. But um, oh it's it's God. it's but you're you, to your point. There is no wrong answer, and you know what? Uh, I, oftentimes, oftentimes coming in second produces better results in the future. I mean, I, I, there, that may not be the truth, but in my experience, and I'm, I mean, Justin clearly showed it this past year, you know, good things can still come. And you know what's funny? You, uh, uh, winning an award like that, and I'm going to get back to the list, but what, uh, just from experience sake, Winning award doesn't only tells you so much, and and I have the luxury of already having one of those to be able to say that there's something about not having it that that I think a lot of players that just missed out can be frustrated. I I do have the luxury of like I said having one to be able to say you know what I had a great year, and that someone didn't yeah. give me a award. I'm actually more proud of my 17 than I am of 10 simply because. I just felt like I got the best out of myself. And when I came up short, I, I couldn't have been less in a good mood. I, I was so satisfied that I even came that close that I was honored so highly. But I was mostly satisfied with how I played and, and, and that I got the most out of myself. So, again, I do have the luxury of, of being able to to say, oh, I had that experience. Oh, here's a new experience sort of thing. But um, – yeah, no, uh, to get back to the list, I, um, I, I've, I've always, I've always felt, uh, a certain way about Ted. The, the military service in the, in the middle, in my opinion, adds, adds to his legacy. It adds to him as a man. Sure. Um, and he did it. Yeah. Uh, all, all signs pointed to, uh, him not, like, him, Going to do his very best from a, from a, um, as a, as a fighter pilot. He, he's, he, he, you know, you, you told the story in, in, in the, in the Ted Williams article, um, you know, about his, his plane crashing. Uh, I mean, these are, these are, and him nearly dying. And, and, and this is a man that was, you know, there's, there's story, he was dogfighting. I mean, he was risking his life, life on a steady basis and, you know, uh, I, I I think if he had put together, you know, attacked on another 110 home runs and another, you know, a 425 RBI, I don't think that adds more to him as his legacy, yeah. him as a man. And I, I, I personally, I think that he's as well known and as beloved because of those years uh, in military. Oh, service. I don't think there's any yeah. question. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. I mean, he's an American hero. I mean, uh, my one of my favorite stories of all of the Baseball 100, of, of every player, was him coming, you know, he, he almost dies in, in the plane crash, and, and, and he's in the plane, and, uh, you yeah. know, after it's on fire, and, and he lands it, he yeah. lands the plane, and he can't stop it. The, there are no, you know, the landing gear is gone. He can't stop the plane. It's just sliding. And, and he doesn't know when it's going to stop. And he, and it comes all the way to the end of the runway and he comes out and even Ted Williams is shaking like a leaf. You know, I mean, this is, this is the ultimate, you know, near death experience. And a guy walks up to him 
and 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 he like like shows him a piece of paper and, and, he, and he finds it and then he walk and a friend goes what was that and he goes can you believe it I almost died and this son of a bitch wants my autograph I just it's thought so it's like the ultimate oh it's I love it I love that really story. incredible I I, I want to say one thing about uh, you know you told a story about Ted coming back and, and to I'm gonna toot the loudest of horns of all the all baseball players but you told a story about him coming back and hitting homers after being off for a year and a half and his hands bleeding oh. we all can we all hit homers whenever we want <laughs> so the greatest hitter all time of all time coming back after a few swings and starting to hit homers we can do that whenever we want. So. <laughs> you can do that whenever you want. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's, that's, that's you know what was crazy? I was looking at when Joe was talking about winning one, Ted Williams only won two MVPs. Yeah. And I was looking at that 57 season, though, when he hit 388, that I was just taking a 38-year-old. He hit 388 with a 526 on base percentage. He finished second in the MVP voting. And he was second well, in the war. The, the, yeah. the writers then knew about platooning, and they they knocked him for that. I'm telling you, when your manager <laughs> platoons you and makes a point to pinch run you and makes a point to defensive switch you and only has you facing the thumbiest of right-handers, hey, you get a ding for that. I'm sorry, you finished second. <laughs> you know, it's uh, Mantle. Mantle won that year. In his career – he lost two MVPs when he won uh, Triple Crowns. Uh, he he lost an MVP to Mantle. They were all the Yankees. Like, all of his MVP losses yeah. were – like he lost two to DiMaggio, one to Joe Gordon, one to Mickey Mantle. Um, and uh, and and he could have won. But I don't think the 57. Just like Joey Votto lost them all to Marlins. Yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. Hey. It, it's I, got, I have a question. Who's who? Okay, so who is more famous, uh, DiMaggio or Ted Williams? Well, that's a good question. DiMaggio, of course, has, and it's, they're famous more for what they did off the field, right? So DiMaggio has the, the marriage to, to Marilyn Monroe, and DiMaggio has his place in the Paul Simon song, Mr. Mm-hmm. Robinson, Mrs. Robinson, not Mr. Robinson. So those things, where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio, being married to Marilyn and winning that greatest living player award mm-hmm. and then using that for the rest of mm-hmm. his life pushes him but I think in the long run, I think Ted Williams is more famous. I think. I just think that what he did in the war, um, and, and the fact that he's been so, you know, he, he was such a bigger than life character. Like DiMaggio really wasn't a bigger than life, like figure. I mean, he was a bigger than life player for sure, but he was really, you know, he kept himself and, you know, the books that have come out about him don't, don't paint him in the, in the best of light and, and uh so I think pure fame, Trent, what do you think? I think pure fame, Ted Williams. Uh, DiMaggio. Wow. I mean, huh? Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Mr. Coffee. Uh, <laughs> Kramer yelling, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that Seinfeld. He's banging the although, table. Although, yes, like, oh, I yeah. will say. Yes. I will say, though, like, um that 99 All-Star game in, at Fenway, I was there oh. at 23 um, I was in the ox box in right field where Ted Williams came out and it is still the most amazing moment. Um, and then showing that I had no feel. Um, I don't know why I was writing there for the Athens Banner Herald, but I did, but I wrote about, well, like what Pedro did in the first, first inning. Um, and, and, and like the no feel on the, uh, on, on what will be remembered forever. Everybody talks yeah. about that. I was there and I, I worried about Pedro, although it was pretty good. 
Yeah, that was still a bad call. I'm not going to lie to you. That's that's basically so like what we do at 23. Well, I know, but that's like going to the Bobby Thompson game and writing about like the guy at second or something, you know, and just like be a yeah, good angle, man. <laughs> you went two for five. Um, Everybody else went there. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Actually, Pedro was amazing that year in that he in was. that Ultra game. So yeah, I mean, that's legit. But you you might have won. No, yeah, no, I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run down the top five. I'm just going to I'm just going to name all five because yeah. because we can't be here all day. Uh, I'm going to just go through the top five and then and then if any thoughts you guys have at all. So here's how I put it. I put Oscar Charleston number five. We'll never know for sure, but the fact that he was widely regarded as the greatest Negro Leagues player, uh, the fact that he was a five tool guy, um, that was my that was my reasoning. Number four is Henry Aaron, who is just one of my all time heroes. And, and the most consistently great player, uh, in baseball history. Number three, Barry Bonds. We know the story. Then, you know, got people a little, uh, riled up when I put number two, Babe Ruth, number one, Willie Mays. I, I explained, uh, somewhat my reasoning in those stories. Uh, you could swap them if you want. Please feel free if you're reading this at home to just use a pair of scissors and cut them out and switch them around. I don't care what you do. Uh, for me, Mays is all around play and the joy that, uh, that he represented was number one. Uh, but you certainly can argue Ruth. So what are you guys thoughts on the top five? Trent? No right, no wrong. Um, it's just, yeah, it, it's, it's impossible to think of. Uh, what would you have done with Bonds? I, I mean, I, I can't see him being any lower than five. Yeah. I mean, I, you you talk about like we we're just talking about um Ted Williams at 42 in 2007 Barry Bonds uh, had a 480 on base percentage yeah at 42 that was the last year he played he led the league in on in uh in intentional walks six yeah. from 2001 to 2004 515 582 529 609 <laughs> that 609 is ridiculous that's what it's just stupid. Would, yeah, that's when you and then like walk, you know, watching dollars, him yeah. take batting practice at Great American Ballpark. It was the greatest. Like every time they came those last couple of years, it was it was like nothing I'd ever seen. And I've seen, you know, I watched Adam Dunn. I've watched all these guys <laughs> do this, but like it was unbelievable. I mean, Joe can attest what it's like to see things put in that top row there, and it's it's unreal. It was incredible. it was batting practice was incredible. Yeah, right, yeah Joseph, the uh, the yeah. top five threw me for a bit of a loop. Um, well, first of okay. all, your your Henry Aaron story was fantastic, and and I felt like I got better listening to it because it reminded me of the you you you, you finally told the story of of how great of an all around all around player he is was. And yes. I, I, I don't think most people uh, give him any sort of credit. He had the combination of, you know, the the Stan usual extra base hits and the Babe Ruth home runs, but then the te- the Pete Rose games played and hit and hits and and just constantly being out there, the steadiness of greatness, but this the steady greatness. But um, the thing that stood out to me was hearing. Uh, what Jackie Robinson told him about, Hey, it's, it, you know, it's nice to get hits, but the game is about scoring runs. Concentrate on that. And yes. I loved that. You know, it's, it's it, one of the fundamentals of our, of our game. 
that's really kind of been highlighted over the past few years is base running, being a better teammate through base running, more efficient base running, emphasizing that. And, and uh, he, he screamed that through his actions. And, and just reading your article, I felt like made me better and inspired me. Oftentimes, just getting better is a byproduct of having goals and being inspired. And, and I felt like you did that. And, um, but the top three, um, you know, it depends on, and I'll, I'll stick to, I, I won't stick, I'll go to Barry after, in a second, but between Babe and Willie, it, it, you said joy of the game. It, it all depends on what kind of joy you want. You know, uh, maybe Babe Ruth was the ultimate hedonist and God bless him for that. And <laughs> maybe Willie Mays was the all time, you know, played with a smile, but, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was the lighter of the two, but you know, Bay was, uh, you know, probably the X-rated version to his PG. But I can't take that away from him. <laughs> but you know, I um, so um, I prefer Bay, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because I uh, I I think Willie Mays is very easily the greatest player of all time, but. Um, I got to meet him one time. And so I'm saying this tongue in cheek. Um, I'm saying this with a smile. Yeah. yeah. But I was in, I was in Dusty Baker's office in 2008. I was a rookie. And, um, so I, I, I get kind of tapped on the shoulder. Dusty wants to see you go into his office. And all of a sudden Willie Mays is there. And, and Willie's, you know, I think 80 something at the time, maybe high seventies. I don't, I don't really know for sure. But, um, Dusty says, and Dusty knows everybody. Lord have mercy. Does he know everybody? I mean, uh-huh. like, uh, yeah. you know, you could show up one day and Mick Jagger sitting on the couch, you know, <laughs> eating local cuisine. But, um, yeah, I, so I, um, I walk in and he goes, Joey, I want to, I want you to meet Willie Mays. And I'm like, yeah, I know who this man is, of course. <laughs> and Willie wasn't, you know, I don't, I wasn't looking through his eyes, but I don't think he was seeing very well. And, uh, and so I say, hi, Willie. Nice to meet you. I put my hand down. Dusty Baker says, he says, uh, yeah, this guy's going to win a batting title. And I had big plans. You know, I had like a lofty goals in my head and, you know, I, I felt in my head, I was, I scoffed at that. I was like, I'm going to do a lot better than that. But, it, you know, I didn't say a word. I smiled and put my hand out and I shook his hand. And I don't know if the average person knows this, but one thing that stands out about a lot of the all-time greats is the size of their hands. And you shake Alex Rodriguez's hands. It's like, it's, 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 it's like putting your hand in, I mean, it's, it's like putting your hand in a vice. It's so big, so strong. I shook Willie's hands and it felt identical, like a bigger, like meteor, strong, like big muscly hands. And he's frail, older, can't see. I think he may have been in a wheelchair or maybe just sitting down. And, uh, he goes, as I'm shaking his hand, and I've got large hands. Like I'm a, I'm six foot two and a half, six three, six two, whatever I am, 225 pounds. You shake my hand. You know, I'm a, a larger man. And he shakes my hand. He goes, <laughs> I laugh thinking about it. He goes, what's this piddly little thing? <laughs> As he's shaking my hand. And I'm like completely, 
you know, completely uh, belittled. You know, I feel small at the time. He goes, what's this piddly little thing? And Dusty goes, no, no, Willie, he's going to be a good hitter. And he goes, I don't know how good of a hitter he's going to be with them little hands. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, oh, I'm going to stick it to you. But you can't. How can you? Sometimes you lose in life. You know, sometimes you lose in life. And and frankly, that was one of those moments where uh, – I had to go look up his numbers and think to myself, I'm going to take you and then look up his numbers. And obviously I'm never going to come close to <laughs> Willie Mays. Of course, of course, but no, that was my Willie Mays story. And that's exactly why Babe Ruth is the best player of all time. So. Oh, I love that. Story. I love that story so much. Oh my gosh. Look at these oh, little piddly hands. I cannot believe. Oh man. Yeah. That is it's, so very, it's very, it's very, but you are, you are so right. I mean, you know, and obviously nobody's shaking hands now, but yeah. through the years I've shaken hands with some of the greatest athletes, you know. I remember mm. shaking hands with Wilt Chamberlain. Oof. And, oh, my gosh. I mean, it's – you just don't know yeah. until you've seen it, like, up in front of you. Like, how – and, and you know, when you talk about, like, firm handshakes, like, some of those pitchers from the 60s that, you know, like Juan Marichal, you just shake his hand and – you're just like, ow, I cannot believe how strong these people yeah. are. It's so funny. But I love that you like went and looked up Willie Mays' numbers and you were like, look, I'm going to prove myself my own way. I don't need to go – I don't need to compare myself to Willie Mays. Oh, you well, know? I mean he, that, yeah, those, he didn't, those numbers seem out Yeah, he didn't, he didn't deflate me completely. But at the time it was – yeah, everyone has those humbling moments. Everybody has those, you know – uh, moments where it's like, you know, you're embarrassed or whatever. But, you know, frankly, I got to forever say that I met Willie Mays and, and, it's and great. it's an amazing, it's amazing thing. You know, he's, he's, no, he's, and not many people getting to watch him on a consistent basis say anything but pure joyous. You know, it's the best, some of the best memories of their lives getting to, getting to watch Willie Mays. Of course, there's nothing cooler. I, when I was a young, uh, writer, so the, you know, I don't know if, if you know this, Trent certainly does, uh, you know, maybe the all time great in, in sports writing, uh, was Jim Murray. Jim Murray was the columnist for the LA Times for many, many years. Uh, incredibly funny, won a Pulitzer, just one of the, just, you know, the, the legend and a hero of mine in, in, in the same way that, uh, you know, that Willie Mays is. I mean, just, Wrote a lot about Willie Mays, by the way, and, 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 uh, and all the other, you know, people out in the West Coast. So I got to meet, uh, Jim Murray when I was, uh, just, I was 20, I was probably the same age that you were when you met Willie Mays. And I got to meet him and I was so taken and so overwhelmed. I just started babbling <laughs> to him. I, di I didn't, it was totally, I didn't mean to, but I just started like, oh my gosh, I just, you know, you're, you're just my hero. And I just would love to, to, you know, I just would, I just love reading you. And I just want someday to be able to write a little bit like you. I mean, I just went on and, and he just sat there Well, I stood there and, and he had these big, huge Coke bottle glasses and, and, uh, but he just stood there and he looked at me and he listened and kind of smiled. And I just kept going on. And you know, that moment where, where like you were like, I'm talking way too much. I need to stop like now, but I can't stop because I'm still just rambling. And I just, I keep going on and on and on. I just, what an honor it is to meet you. And finally I stop and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he said, 
next time use fewer words. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I remember at the time like feeling, I think probably the way you did with Willie Mays, which was a little bit deflated, but also a little bit like, this is the greatest. This is like, I'm going to be able to tell this story forever. And, and uh, I love that story so much, just so much. Yeah. 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 It, it, Willie wasn't by any means my, my hero. It was just a great, oh. a, a cool person to meet. And, uh, and forever I get to say that I, I, I met him, but uh, he didn't let me use any words. I didn't get to have <laughs> <laughs> He did all the talking. He, yeah. he felt you your know, hand spoke for you is what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, I let my hands – I let my hands – you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You've, you've done all right with those hands. I'm just going to just tell you that. You've done okay for yourself, I'm doing, I think. Yeah, I'm doing No batting title. No batting title. Dusty was wrong with that one. No no but, doubt about by that. By the way, would, would you trade any of your seven on base titles for a one batting title? Ooh. Hmm. No. A batting title is not as good as an on-base title. It's not as good. No, 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 no. There's, there's, you, you don't get anything for that, you know, for leading the league in on-base percentage. You just, you should. You you're should. tired at the end of every game because you're on base a lot and you're tired at the end of the year, but you don't, uh, you don't get anything. They give out awards for, they give out awards for, uh, batting titles, if I'm not mistaken. I think Louis Wilson yes. does that. You know, one yes. of the things that we didn't, we didn't mention that, that I think is common amongst all the all-time greats, Hank Aaron, Willie, you know, how, how, how healthy they, they, they were and how, how often they played. I mean, uh, Willie played virtually every day, uh, from when he came back from the 1953, if I'm not mistaken, I think he went to the Korean War. Um, and he played nearly every single day. Uh, until he was almost, until he was deep into his 30s. And, and playing center field, playing with such, uh, I'm sure, aggressiveness out there. Um, you know, Hank Aaron's obviously another example, aggressive base runner, aggressive outfielder. Um, I mean, I, these, the, the common thread for me amongst the all-time greats, I think, is, is games played. And, you know, we, we really didn't, we didn't touch on Cal Ripken Jr., but, uh, for me, he is very, very, very easily one of my favorite players of all time, simply because that high end achievement of playing as often as he did. And for me, had you put him in the, you know, top 20 or so, excuse me, closer to the top 10, I, I, I wouldn't have batted an eye for sure. Yeah. And he, and he could have been, he could have been. I, 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 I uh, don't actually remember where I put him. I think I put him in, in the forties, but, but I mean, he was, he was absolutely incredible and what a good point and, and, and probably the best point for us to end on because one thing that is so underappreciated about really the all time greats is um, you have to be present in order to, to be a great player. I mean, this is, this is so, I mean, there are so many terrific players who got, eight or nine, like one of my all-time favorite people and one of my all-time favorite players is Dale Murphy. And, and I, I love Dale, love him. Um, but he was done at 32. I mean, he was, mm. he was basically done at 32. He played and, and for all the reasons that you said, he was a big guy, played center field, certainly early, you know, first few years of his career was a catcher when he first came up, uh, took a beating, played hard, played literally every game, like 162 a year. Um, and he wore out and which is, I think 
the human thing. That's what, that's what makes like so many of these players superhuman is being able to, to play that hard that long and, and just to keep going for, for season after season after season. I mean, it's, it really is incredible. Really is incredible. All right, Trent, you have any final thoughts? No, thanks for letting me tag along. Um, (laughs) I, uh, I will tell you, um, kind of piggybacking on some of the things you were talking about the Jim Murray. I have one sports writer autograph and that uh, my cousin got for me once because she knew my favorite writer was Joe Posnanski and she saw you somewhere in Kansas City. Oh, and wow. So I have that um, Well, somewhere. Please, tre- please, please treasure that. I wouldn't do that now. So, if yeah, it makes so- you feel better, I don't know where it is. But I do know I have it somewhere. Guess, you know what makes me feel bad is that you have it. That's what makes me feel bad. My, my cousin Missy Moser sent it to me. She, oh, uh, well, that's sweet. No, she no, that's seen you somewhere, and this was you know long you know, ago. I, I have signed many, many cool. autographs because of oh. uh, books. Well, because of books, right? Every time <laughs> I'm not, I, I, you know, people ask me to sign the book. I've not signed that many, but I will say the, the one, the one moment that I look back with such horror was I was a young writer and a little kid came up to me and we were at a ball game and a little kid came up to me and wanted me to sign an autograph. And I really truly believed in my heart that this kid uh, was making a mistake, that he was mistaking me for somebody else. And, and I kind of said that it was, he was pretty young. It was like, you know, seven or eight. And I said, Oh no, you, you don't want my autograph. And he started to cry, like literally in front of me. And I'm like, Oh no, I'll sign every, I'll sign everything. I mean, I, you know, I just was, I freaked out. Take and my like wallet. signed. Yeah, no, literally just, yeah, not, I mean, you, you, you want my computer? Take my computer. I, I would have given him anything. Um, so, uh, so anyway, that's my autograph story. Uh, <laughs> Joe, do you want to end with a good autograph story? Do you have a good one, like off the top of your head? Uh, good autograph story. Well, by the way, Trent, you're lucky that uh, Joe didn't uh, comment on your piddly little fingers or something like that. You made a different man. <laughs> yeah. You might find piddly little one. fingers? Yeah. Um, uh, no, I, I don't think so. You know, I, I, I don't – okay, yeah. Actually, you know what? So um, when I was a boy, my favorite player – I thought I was going to be a pitcher. My favorite player was Nolan Ryan. And yeah. – uh, I think my father and I wrote him a note and signed something back. And I remember thinking, holy cow, like that. I just connected with Nolan Ryan. He's in a completely wow. different part of the world. And, you know, nowadays I think that uh, with – I'm trying to figure out – I'm trying to figure out how to navigate that because I, I, I find that like I, I – sometimes you'll get – messages from handwritten messages from people that are uh, collecting for the right reasons. Some are collecting for the wrong reasons and you have to kind of sift through that. Um, And, and I never want to miss the opportunity to, and I'm not kid biased by the way, you know, young person bias. I I want, I want to satisfy (laughs) adults also. Like I want to make sure that, that the adults that are excited to come to a game that support the res, that support me Major League Baseball, uh, I, I, you know, I, I want, I want them to have that moment. So, but, you know, it's, 
it's 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 usually something I try to do around the stadium. But as far as like a an autograph, that Nolan Ryan's the one that stands out, and I think that it made things a lot more real. And I think anytime I think anytime you can get an autograph from somebody that inspires you or someone that that you aspire to be, similar to what Trent is saying, you know, here you are sharing a podcast with him. So that's pretty cool. No, that's uh, it's cool for me. Let's, I'm just going to just say it's cool for me. Well, guys. Uh, cannot thank you enough. This has been awesome. And, uh, hopefully we'll do this again. We can do this again. Look, I don't know where we're going to be for the next few months. So, uh, so, but, but honestly, seriously, thank you both for, for joining. Yeah. Thank you, Joe and Joe. Joe, Trent, thank you. Great work with the writing. That was really fantastic stuff and very entertaining. All right. Well, um, that was fun. I, I can't really say it any other way. I really enjoyed doing that. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as well. Uh, there are some players who just don't know much about the history of baseball, and then there are others. And uh, I don't think I, I talked about this on here, but I've I've talked with Joey some about like different books and things. And the one, maybe my favorite baseball book is um, it's called A Zen Way of Baseball. It's the autobiography of Sadaharu O. And it's not one that a lot of people have read and I, I just, I love it in, in part because, you know, I'm biased towards Japanese baseball. I think we've had this discussion. Um, but also it's a, just a very different kind of autobiography than your regular sports one. And so I mentioned something to Joey about it once and he had already read it and that just kind of blew me away. He's a, um, he's an interesting cat and, as you heard in this, I mean, he's a guy who thinks about baseball and has thought about baseball for a long time. And, you know, the people who play this game aren't always fans like we are. Um, because again, like, you know, it's just, it is different. And once you're in that game, it's different. And growing up, you know, most of your time spent playing. I think I talked about that in this discussion, but yet, Here's a guy who certainly is, and it's, uh, it is, it was really fun, and, um, hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And, uh, we'll talk to you, uh, next week on WARP in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. See, I can do it too, Paul. I think we all miss Paulie.